Today on CityCast Boise, we're getting creepy crawly with local supernatural enthusiast Julie Hahn. She's going to tell us about Boise's haunted history, from late-night phenomena at the Boise State Comms Building to devious disturbances at the Old Pen. Like Mulder and Scully before me, I want to believe, but will Julie's sleepover stories keep me up at night? Just a heads up, this episode does include some violent imagery and a mention of suicide. It's Monday, October 24th, 2022. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is CityCast Boise. I'm so excited to do a fun little special Halloween episode with you. So let's just let's just get right to it. Why do you believe in ghosts? I can't remember a time when I didn't believe in ghosts. It's just something that's always seemed very natural to me. I've always been uh, probably a little bit too morbid and a little bit too obsessed with death and the occult and things that are hidden and unknown. And, you know, I was raised Catholic and it is not too much of a leap to go from exorcisms to ghosts. So <laughs> I think that probably had something to do with it. I love that. I uh, I wasn't raised religious, but a few times as a kid, I went to a Catholic ceremony and I was like, oh, so many rituals. So spooky. Like I really, I loved, I loved the, you know, the day-to-day stuff. So have you personally been haunted yourself? Have you been haunted before? I would say that I lived with a ghost. I did that in college for two years. Um, my roommate and I lived with a ghost um, in Missoula, Montana. And uh, it was an interesting experience. It was it was a benevolent ghost. Like it wasn't any didn't do anything too scary. You know, it would be like a hearing somebody come up the stairs. You know, and there is nobody there. Or I remember one time, it was probably like two o'clock in the morning, um, and my my roommate and I had doors that faced each other, rooms that faced each other. And uh, we both woke up to this really loud knocking on our doors and came out of our doors at the same time. And we're like, what, what do you, what do you want? <laughs> but neither of us had knocked on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was just, a, yeah. we just had some interesting um, things like that, you know, items like falling off shelves. And yeah, it was an interesting, it was an interesting experience. I love that you're in your closet telling me this story right now. It just really, it feels like we're at like having a sleepover telling ghost stories. I love it. It's very great. I heard you mentioned on another podcast, you saw a ghost out at the military reserve cemetery. Is that true? Can you tell us about that? I did. Yeah. Yeah. This is several years ago. At the time I was training for the sawtooth relay and Um, So I was getting up at like five o'clock in the morning before the sun came up and I would run over there by the military reserve. Um, And one morning as the, you know, the sun was coming up and I was coming up on the on the reserve cemetery, um, I saw a the figure of a man walk from the cemetery and cross the path and then walk into the sagebrush and disappear and uh, scared the crap out of me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Did you feel any like malevolence coming off of him or he was just out for a morning stroll just like you? Yeah, no, I just felt like he was completely unconcerned with me and uh, didn't take any notice of me and uh, just went about whatever his otherworldly business was. (laughs) Just he's also actually training for uh, a relay, interestingly (laughs) enough. Exactly. (laughs) He's the elusive volunteer for the Sawtooth Relay. (laughs) (laughs) 
What's your favorite Boise ghost story, whether you believe in it or not? The ghosts out of the old pen. There are so many stories um, out of there, and it has such a violent history. And uh, it really is kind of depressing. It was such a depressing place to be for so long. I mean, obviously, always a prison is, but um, just the conditions were really terrible. And so it is it is just ripe with ghost stories. I've always thought that um, I remember like being on a field trip as a kid and them showing us like the hanging room and telling us the very disturbing ghost story that goes along with uh, the hanging there. I forget the man's name, but um, yeah, Raymond Snowden was his name. Yes, yeah, Snowden. Yeah. That's right. Th- them telling us that story. And I remember sort of being like, hey, uh, we're 10. You were 10 year old. <laughs> like, this is so dark, you know? And they, it's such an interesting field trip to do with children because now I've done it with my own kids a bunch of times. And it, it's like a very bleak field trip that, you know, kids are like running around and eating Lunchables. And then you're like, yeah, so 75 people were hanged in this room. It's like, oh my gosh. Okay, kids, back on the bus. <laughs> <Right. laughs> so, for the people who haven't heard the Raymond Snowden story, will you tell us? Will you tell us this ghost story? Yeah, it's really. Uh gruesome. Raymond Snowden was a um, a man who encountered a woman named Cora Dean at the Hi-Ho nightclub in Garden City. And this was in the late 50s. Um, and he stabbed her and it was an incredibly violent death. Um, so he was arrested and then he was put into the, you know, very recently constructed cell block five, which was where the death row inmates were held. And his jail cell looked at the gallows that he would be, you know, hanged in, you know, about a year from when he was from when he was put in the prison. But the thing is, is that, you know, compared to other places like, say, Texas, Florida, Oklahoma, Idaho really has not executed that many people over the course of its history, which is kind of bonkers to think about. But we also don't have a good track record of being good at it. <laughs> so when Raymond Snowden was um, was sent to the execution chamber and hanged, they didn't quite calculate I don't think his height and weight correctly so that he would have a clean death. And then the, you know, the the entire place is kind of known for having all sorts of uh, weird phenomena like opening and closing doors and drawers and cold spots. And when you go out there, it is a little bit it, it is it's it's beautiful, like the building is kind of imposing and beautiful, but also really kind of terrifying to think about the conditions that these people were living in. Yeah, uh, my record label wanted to find like a unique interesting spot to do my uh next album taping and they had suggested the old pen and i was like no (laughs) no because i know i've been to shows there it is really beautiful i've been to wonderful fun shows there but i was like no i don't think i want to take that energy with me (laughs) uh on this taping i don't think i feel like comfortable doing you know comedy out there but uh but it is a really beautiful spot So when you were a reporter at the Idaho Statesman, I heard that you investigated a story of a ghost that supposedly haunts the old communications building. Uh, What happened to you when you tried to write about it? I heard that you had to you had to book it. (laughs) You had to leave. (laughs) Yeah. So um, at the time, uh, Gene Huff, who is now the editor of the Boise Weekly, we worked on the Futures Desk together. So we were both interested, still are very interested in ghosts. And so we went to um, 
we went to the communications building. Uh, we were invited to stay the night there. We didn't make it through the night. We totally psyched ourselves out. We couldn't do it. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so we went with this um, group that at the time was called Idaho Spirit Seekers. I think they've been kind of absorbed into another ghost group here in town. Um, but they came with all of their equipment. So, you know, the the story behind the, the ghosts in the communications building is that um, the comms building was one of the first buildings on, on campus. And it was originally used as the student union building. And the student union building had a ballroom. Um, and according to the legend, there was a dance there one night and uh, a young woman was uh, stood up by her date. And so she went and she I, I think the most common legend is she she hanged herself. So um, eventually when those uh, the student union uh, ballroom was broken up into classes, people started noticing things. But it sounds like from what I've been able to research um, people didn't really start talking about a ghost until the theater arts students moved into the building. So, <laughs> which, uh, okay. which makes yeah. sense. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Drama students love ghosts, love superstition. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so it makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, and, you know, there were all sorts of all sorts of stories about Dinah, you know, like as the theater students were creating like scenery, there would be ghost footprints left in fresh paint, things like that. You know, sounds, uh, you know, students would try to talk to Dinah. The story I heard about why she has the name Dinah is because somebody was, you know, talking to the air like, you know, come at me, ghost. And uh, an entity started playing someone's in the kitchen with Dinah. And so that's oh. how they figured out that that's what her name was. <laughs> so um, anyway, I don't know if any of that is true. However, I, I mean, there's no there's no record of of a of a young woman hanging herself, you know, in the student union ballroom or anywhere close to it. Um, but it is kind of like a, a creepy place. I remember when my husband was teaching there, um, he was actually asked to teach in the student union ballroom because another professor um, asked to move her class because she felt so uncomfortable teaching in there. So there is something, there is something to it, you know, whether it's, whether it's all in our head or, or whether, I mean, does it really matter if you feel scared? Yeah. I asked my husband because he used to work in the editing bays there. And uh, I asked him, did you ever feel anything? And he was like, nope. And I was like, well, that makes sense, honestly. <laughs> like, I feel like a ghost could be sitting on his lap and he would just be trying to look around them to see the screen. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Either you're a believer or you're not. And if you're not yeah. a believer, then really any of this phenomena could be chalked up to something else, right? Sure. And that's why I say about me is like, I, I'm not a believer, but uh, I would never say Bloody Mary three times in the mirror. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm just oh, yeah, I'm not totally. a believer, but I'm not a non-believer. I'm going to be safe. I'm going to be safe out there. Basically, I'm going to be careful. Oh, yeah. I slept with my hands like inside the covers until I was probably like 15 because of Bloody Mary. Like I really took all of that seriously. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know, better safe than sorry that's when right. it comes to ghost is my theory. <laughs> you know, like, what do you think that's about? What is that? So I think when we when there are a lot of stories throughout history that kind of reflect um, attitudes towards women and, you know, just the general patriarchy and how women are perceived. And, you know, for much of human history, women have been perceived as victims. But, you know, our ghost stories change over time. So it could be that in the future, 100 years in the future, you know, a ghost from, you know, a ghost story that starts in this era, era maybe won't have any sort of like victimhood attached to it. But, you know, we won't be around to find out or maybe we will. I don't know. She became a ghost after girl bossing her way to the top. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, progress, that's right. people. Something, 
something something like that. Something yeah, less, but they're all yeah. Yeah, it's all really culture bound beliefs. Like it really changes decade by, by decade. Like when was the last time you heard about a hitchhiking ghost? Mm, oh, that's so true. You know, yeah, when I was growing true. up, it was all hitchhiking ghosts. Yeah. No, but nobody hitchhikes anymore. So yeah. you know, so our ghosts are, our ghosts are evolving as we evolve. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. Which kind of brings me to my next question. Um, you know, so many of Boise's historic buildings are disappearing or getting changed drastically mm-hmm. as the city grows. And I'm just wondering, a lot of the places where our Boise ghosts maybe were connected with, like we're kind of at risk of losing those stories, right? Yeah. And, you know, ghost stories are part of the fabric of what makes a place a place. And so when we don't have those anymore, or like, say, when newcomers don't learn about them, you know, do they effectively go away? I don't know. But um, it is it is a shame to see so many beautiful old buildings, you know, either uh, either gutted or torn down. And then, yeah, do, do we, I guess that brings up the question, do you need a physical space to experience a ghost? Like the hitchhiking ghost, right? Is that reflective of, you know, the kind of the turbulence of the late 60s and 70s and searching for something? Are the ghosts that we experience from this point in time in Boise, are they going to be different? Like maybe they won't be attached to a certain place, but, you know, maybe it'll be a... I don't know, a roving tech worker in like a black Columbia jacket. I have no idea. Like, well, we'll find out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That makes me think of the um, funeral parlor across from Flying M that got torn down. Is that the, the Gibson? Gibson is, yes. Is that right? Like, do the people who now live there, do they connect to that? Like, oh, we live above this spot. That Because when I was a kid, that was a very haunted spot. I mean, Gibson closed. Right. And, um, you know, we all used to go peer in the windows. I actually got my first headshots ever done <laughs> at the Gibson. Because I just loved that. Yeah, I did. <laughs> it's funny. I got it in front of the flower entrance. So it says flower entrance. But the way I'm standing, you can't really tell what it says. So people used to make guesses because it just has like the, the end letters. Um, <laughs> but I loved that space. I loved that building. I was very sad when it got torn down because I felt like it was such an iconic historic building. I would I would hope that, you know, when people move to Boise that they learn a little bit about the history here because it is really fascinating. Idaho in general is an odd place to live. It has it's it's unique, I think, um, in a lot of different ways. And the history is has a lot of really odd and fascinating things and it's worth knowing. So I hope that um, I hope that they manage to learn a little bit about the history of what used to be there. I have a friend who lives in the Eidenhaw and, um, you know, like the Eidenhaw and the Owyhee for years when I was a kid, like those were very spooky haunted places because they're both former hotels and both, you know, supposedly fairly haunted. What do you what do you think is about these places that sort of create these stories or create ghosts? Well, I think that um, that hotels are always ripe for ghost stories because they're kind of blank, you know, transient spaces. And so you can really project um, a, a lot of what you're thinking and feeling onto a, a blank room, you know, um, but also just because they because of the sheer volume of people coming in and out, like, of course, in a historic hotel, they're going to have a lot of ghost stories, right? The probably the most famous legend out of the Eidenhaw is about the um, the elevator. I'm sure you heard about that, you know, how the elevator moves up and down itself. And depending on who you talk to, that's either a bellhop who got murdered or like a long term worker. You can take a lot of uh, different stories from a hotel and kind of smash them into a great ghost story. (laughs) So if we meet a ghost, if we have a run in like you did when you were out jogging, 
Uh, what do we do? Is it like a bear? Do we clap and be make some noise so they know we're there? Uh, you know, is it a gorilla? We don't we don't make eye contact. Like, what do we do when we see a ghost? What's good etiquette? I love this, like a viewer's guide to ghosts. Um, you know, I think that probably uh, ghosts really don't give a single care about the living anymore. <laughs> so just you know, leave them be. Leave them alone. Yeah, yeah. we. You you hear that, Boise? Let them <laughs> let them do their ghost stuff. Stay out of their way. That's right, <laughs> Julie. This was such a delight. Thank you so much for telling us your spooky ghost stories. Oh no, I had a great time. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. Since it's nearly Halloween, you know what that means. Time to talk about Christmas. Boise National Forest just opened up their Christmas tree permits. Cutting a holiday tree from the Boise National Forest can be a fun tradition and only costs ten dollars. Christmas tree permits are available from October 13th, and cutting is allowed beginning November 19th. For more information, visit recreation.gov backslash tree permits. That's all for us today here on CityCast Boise. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, or leave us a review? And don't forget to subscribe to our daily newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with some more news from around the city. See you around, Boise! Boise!